This is the FS Tech Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the FS Tech Podcast. I'm Hannah McGrath, the editor of FS Tech. As the pandemic moves employees, as well as their devices and their workloads, into remote locations, the cybercriminals have followed them there. As a result, a company is only as safe as the weakest link in its network and must identify it before the attackers can exploit it. And as surging demand for online financial services accelerates digitization across the industry, it's not just users, applications and emails that need to be safeguarded. Data workloads, operating systems and back of house infrastructure are also vulnerable to the changing threat landscape, be it nation state attack, mercenary hackers or insider threat. To tackle these challenges, some organizations are looking to cloud-based security platforms, which use AI and machine learning to perform real-time threat detection and stay one step ahead of the hackers. However, many incumbent institutions are struggling to integrate new technologies with legacy infrastructure and face added concerns over the security and operational implications of the shift to cloud as part of their security transformation strategy. To drill down into the biggest challenges in this area, I'm joined by Zeki Turedi, Chief Technology Officer for Europe, Middle East and Africa at CrowdStrike, who will help us to explore the key challenges for financial services institutions as they adapt their security transformation strategy to the rapidly evolving threat landscape. So uh, hello and welcome to the FS Tech podcast, Zeki. Uh, it's great to have you here. Um, I think what we'll do is we will uh, we'll just jump into the first question, um, which is, has the rise in remote working changed the cybersecurity landscape for FS firms? Yeah, firstly, thank you so much for having me on, Hannah. Um, yeah, definitely. We have to remember that actually the landscape has completely changed, not only from the landscape we protect, but also the landscape we protect against. So from the, the landscape we're trying to protect perspective, you know, we've, we've got a completely different infrastructure. Our networks today look so much different compared to what they looked like several months ago. We've really completely relearned how to actually effectively work within our organizations, especially with what we've seen during COVID. And then from a security perspective, that means we've got a whole brand new infrastructure, whole brand new network that we have to protect against. But from the, the other side, the threat landscape perspective, the, the actors, you know, the adversaries have also realized that our landscape has changed. And then the new methods for them to target organizations have evolved. And of course, they are moving with the times as well. Sure, sure. Yeah, I can, I can see that that's, uh, that's a rising threat. And, and what impact has the growth in online and app-based services had on the pace of digitization over the past few months? Um, and what are the cybersecurity implications of this? Yeah, so again, as we've kind of moved to working remotely, we've completely changed the way that we actually deal with organizations and actually how we deal with businesses as well. Uh, we've seen not only in the financial services sector, but also in other industries where traditional brick and mortar operations have just had to cease because of the lockdowns and so forth. And this has been a, a huge rise in moving to online businesses. We've seen organizations uh, very, very quickly and rapidly develop brand new applications or brand new online products. Um, more and more all of these businesses using modern technologies, modern software engineering technologies to take an idea from conception to actually being delivered 
in you know in a matter of weeks and this is great it means that our businesses can can strive forward and be agile and, and make sure that you know during the turbulent times we are still able to run and still be able to deliver services to our customers but of course you know as we build these new applications as we very very rapidly try and um, deliver new functionality and continue to allow our business of businesses to run we have to remember that everything we do has a security implication you know, every single thing we do has to make sure we've got security you know by design and unfortunately we have had this rapid pace of digitalization but we haven't had a rapid pace of you know security uh, digitalization you know, security isn't always wrapped up in those those processes and this is one of the things that you know we have to in some cases take a few moments to to pause relook in the developments that we've had to do rapidly but make sure that we haven't left any gaping holes that potentially could be used by an adversary and make sure that now we have got a bit more breathing space as we're coming out of, of our on second lockdown and as we're potentially having a vaccine in the next few months to make sure that any of those you know, rapid evolutions haven't got security vulnerabilities to them. Absolutely. And you mentioned there um, security by design. Um, what are the key challenges for organisations in ensuring their endpoints are protected? How do you build in security to endpoints? Yeah, I think I think we actually also need to remember that the what we, we talk about as an endpoint traditionally is very different to what an endpoint looks like today. Um, you know, we, we at CrowdStrike like to call it, you know, workloads, you know, every device that you potentially could use to generate a work or ge generate some type of uh, activity. So this is, uh, you know, just your, your laptop, your desktop that we, we fundamentally use to call an endpoint, but it also means your, your microservices running in clouds. And you know, kind of going back into you know, the question you asked earlier, you know, because the environment has changed so rapidly, uh, as we are building new technologies in different locations, as those workloads are now in very, very different locations themselves. You know, we think about, you know, summer that's just been gone. We, call, we had people, you know, working from home. We had people working from the park. They had to be protected still. Again, a very, very different environment to what it may have been, you know, 12 months previously. So really when it comes to kind of the challenges is actually being able to make sure that we can, no matter what type of device it is, where it may be, it has a parity security posture on those systems. And as well as that, you know, we also need to still focus on hygiene, focus on remediating vulnerabilities. I mean, these have always been the traditional problems that most organizations haven't been able to properly solve, while as still being able to, to stop the, the modern types of threats that we're seeing. Um, and I think that's the, the, you know, the, the, some of the key challenges that organisations will be facing and looking to, to, to try and mitigate at the moment. Absolutely. And, and with the, the rise of remote working as well, there's a lot of talk about shift to the cloud. Um, how are FS firms responding to security concerns over cloud and cloud computing environments? Yeah, so, I mean, reality is cloud, the cloud and the cloud services using public uh, cloud products like AWS or Azure GCP, you know, is great because it actually allows organizations to embed security into, um, you know, the new technologies they're building. You know, majority of these services and public cloud uh, offerings have security tools ready to go, ready to be built into them. The only issue, issue is it's not security by default. So in a lot of cases, you know, organizations move rapidly to these technologies, forgetting that actually they still need to understand what features, what buttons they need to enable, how to actually make it secure isn't, isn't done by, by, uh, by standard. But, but the reality is 
by harnessing these technologies is the the best you know step forward to allow organizations to to make sure they are building rapidly and actually allowing security to be in there but we actually have to take some of the learnings we've had previously you know as you, you've talked about endpoint you know we've been attempting to protect the endpoint for many years and we actually are coming to um to a state now where we can successfully protect the endpoint and we need to take those learnings as we've done with you know like for example endpoint detection and response and actually build them in for the cloud environments as well so this means that we have to be collecting huge amounts of information from these environments correlating them together you know very very quickly and being able to identify you know suspicious or malicious activities and then of course making sure that we can respond so really it's about as we take a new journey into these new architectures new environments we are making sure security is enabled, but also we're taking the previous learnings and making sure they're able to be adapted for those new new environments as well. Sure. And, and you mentioned malicious actors there. Um, I wonder how, how is the industry responding to evolving threats such as um, nation state attacks? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, you know, reality is, you know, we in especially in the financial services, nation states have always been quite a predominant um, uh, you know, threat actor. Um, you know, we saw you know, huge amounts of targeting, especially in the financial services with North Korea over the last several years, uh, targeting organizations and actually getting away with quite a large amount of money in some cases. But the, the, the actual threat actor has also evolved. As we've seen the environments of, and our landscape evolve over the last several months, we've seen a huge uptick in criminal actors. So it's really the core focus is making sure we understand that our threat landscape has changed um, and just to give you an idea, you know, just halfway through 2020, you know, what we saw at CrowdStrike was a 117% increase of sophisticated adversary intrusions compared to the whole of 2019. And that was mostly down to criminal actors, you know, learning, evolving, and actually targeting organizations across the globe. So yes, we've seen uh, evolving threats from such as nation states, but we also have to realize that e-crime, you know, criminal actors are targeting the sector massively at the moment. But we also can take some learnings as well. And we also have to remember that hacktivism is still something that comes back around and targets the industry as well. And we saw that happening in, in Belarus in October. So again, that's still something that we have to be aware of as part of our, our threat landscape we've got to protect against. Absolutely. And, and we talked about um, vulnerabilities there. And um, what about back end vulnerabilities, um, you know, by legacy infrastructure introduced by data workloads? Yeah, we have this conversation quite often, and especially with the uh, end of life of you know, operating systems like Windows 7 and Windows Server 2008. And for most, a lot of organizations are still you know, utilizing you know, even further um, end of life systems like Windows XP, you know, the best and fundamental protection against these legacy infrastructure is to update them and bring them um, to utilizing modern operating systems. Um, I always get the asked the question, you know, how can I protect and make sure my my end of life operating systems are not vulnerable? And the simple answer is update them. And unfortunately, there's no easy way around it. So for organizations that still have legacy systems that are, you know, are vulnerable, make sure they have a clear path to getting out of that situation as quickly as possible. No tool, no technology will actually provide you that protection than just simply getting it to a newest version. And I know that can be quite complex for a lot of businesses, and that's why it's important to have a path to that resolution uh, rather than just trying to uh, 
you know, stick stick potential fixes together because unfortunately it won't won't work. Absolutely. And what about on the data workload side? Um, you know, what can you tell us about patching backend vulnerabilities there? Yes, again, you know, the reality is for especially in the financial services sector, um, you know, data workloads come in various sizes and you know, especially if we with legacy systems. Um, the reality is we still talk about mainframes, they're quite a complex beast, and we have the ability to really kind of segment them and get away from our core infrastructure. Uh, but again, it goes back into what I was saying before, you know, making sure that we are actually able to modernize our infrastructure uh, to move away from potential vulnerabilities to those systems. Mm -hmm. and, and what role um, can automation, AI, and um, real-time threat detection play uh, in a company's security transformation? Yeah, so for every organization, especially when it comes to security op operations, you know, we are striving to have as much of this business as automated as possible. You know, the reality is, what's the point of doing something twice when we can actually do it once, learn, and make sure it's automated. And that's where you know artificial intelligence and machine learning has a, a real play into this. You know, be able to make sure that as we've done one, we've done it once by a human, then no one else has to do it ever again. And and when we look into say, for example, CrowdStrike as a business, we harness machine learning, you know, large scale AI to do this. So you know, as we identify a threat, we make sure none of our customers have to deal with it themselves. It's all done automatically because we can learn, take the findings, and let the machine learning algorithms take over from there. But at the same time, you know, we we also have to remember that we still need to have human elements into our business when it comes to security operations. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the first initial time we may have to learn about it. It could be a, an attack technique we've never seen before. Um, it could be a method that is completely brand new. Um, and we have to remember that AI is great. It allows for that automation. It allows us to do things at scale, but it'll only, we can only train it with the information, the intelligence, the knowledge that we're already aware of. So if something happens that's completely new to us, we still need to make sure that we have the ability to identify in the first place. And that's where you know real-time threat detection really comes into play because if we have the ability to grab that data have that visibility be able to run the right rules be able to detect it in the first place we can take that information and make sure that our automation our ai pipelines can take it for the next time round. and i mean from really about getting into you know transformation side of things it's about really having all those different areas in, in a good operational loop and making sure that as you're learning, as you're identifying, as you have the human operators identifying new threats, you're able to then pass it along through the SecOps pipeline to then be automated or retrained through your, your data science team. And it's how they all interlink together really can change how a business actually is able to respond effectively. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's really interesting. Thanks for that, Zeki. And then finally, if our listeners want to find out a bit more about CrowdStrike, um, where can we send them? Yes, yeah, certainly. So it's been been absolutely great to, to talk to you today. There's a number of things that we do at CrowdStrike. So uh, we have provided uh, you know, next generation AV protection as well as protection against workloads uh, for, for not only on your endpoints, but also in your cloud environment. So if you want to learn more about the uh, what we provide at CrowdStrike, visit www.crowdstrike.com. Thanks so much for joining us, Zeki. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech Podcast.